This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we're talking about the food of Game of Thrones and or a song of ice and fire. And or. Yeah, that's the title of the book series that the TV series is based on. Yes. Um, it is, it's been a long time since we've done a fictional foods. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, the time was nigh, especially because uh, as we record this, Game of Thrones is in its final season. Indeed it is. <laughs> Indeed it is. But who knows when you're listening. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> we We had to decide on which geek avenue to pursue because... We just did a shawarma episode for the Avengers, which I am seeing tonight, and it, I can't believe how excited I am. Like, it's surprising <laughs> even me. I'm, like, nervous oh, and is, excited. Is it's that why like, you're so nervous right now? Oh, that's so great. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and we were like, let's do a fictional foods because we haven't done one in forever. Game of Thrones is ending. Let's do that. But also Star Wars. Yeah. May the 4th. But then you, Lauren, made the excellent point that Star Wars is not going away no. anytime soon. Star Wars is eternal. Yeah. Game uh-huh. of Thrones is ending. At least in its current popularity. The books, you know. Oh, sure. May or may not ever come out. <laughs> may or may not. Yeah. All true. And if some of you are groaning, because I, I do have some friends that are very tired of Game of Thrones because of the oversaturation and the excitement. Oh, sure. And especially if you're not a fan of the series. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I would say never fear. I am a fan light. That's how I would describe myself. Huh. I really enjoy it, but I'm kind of generally confused. Um, <laughs> and we are purportedly a food and drink podcast, so there will be plenty of nerdery, but, you know, not not too much. I mean, it's well, food and drink nerdery. Yes. Yes. Um, and <laughs> I got into Game of Thrones because of the coworkers here. Um, Tyler from our D&D campaign, he was super into it, and he accidentally spoiled the season finale of season one for me. Oh, wow. Um, and oh, he feels big. really bad about it. I didn't care because I was like, who's that? Uh, what? <laughs> I was more surprised at the, the actor. Um, but, yeah, he felt bad. Um, <laughs> and he used to show them uh, on a – he had a projector, and every Sunday we'd get together and watch oh. them. Yeah. And then on Mondays, Paul Deccant – uh, and a couple of other people, they would reenact it, and he has a really good Jon <laughs> Snow impression. So good. And so I, I was like, well, I guess I got to oh, get in on this. <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh, okay. I oh. need to, like, special request that, like, right now. Yeah. That's great. It's back in this video cave. We, uh-huh. we do this. Oh, I miss everything. <laughs> out, in the, out in the light, I miss everything. Yeah. Um, I do... I, I am currently watching it with a different group of coworkers, um, and it's fun because we all are kind of generally confused. Like, we know what's going on, but, you know, every now and then that character exactly. comes in, and you're like, who the heck is Should that? I know yeah. who that is? And I spent the first three or four seasons thinking Castle Rock was a person and wondering when he or she would <laughs> finally arrive. Uh, it is a place. Uh, <laughs> I kept being like, who is Casterly Rock? I also want to, like, soft point out that it's Casterly Rock, not Casterly. <laughs> See? It's definitely not Casterly Rock. I thought it was Casterly. Yeah, no. Nope. I, I think it's the—I don't know what accent that is that they do. But. Well, it's, I, it's some kind of British, but uh, it's certainly made up because, I mean, I don't know. It's They, they all, they all kind of do what they want <laughs> in terms of accents. True, true story. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of where I am <laughs> at you, Lauren. Um, well, I, I started reading the book series in college. Um, it must have been like 2003 or so. So like the third book was out, but it would be another couple years before the fourth, and like 10 billion years before the fifth. And and I and I want to put in here that I am ribbing on the author George R. R. Martin's infamously slow publishing schedule. But I'm doing so fondly, um, mm-hmm. as no less than Neil Gaiman, a mm. famous author, once said in a blog post, George R.R. R. Martin is not your bitch. <gasps> and he can publish his books or not whenever he wants to. True. So that is true. Calm down. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yes, hi, I'm a nerd. I was, like, hooked on the book series, so excited when the TV series started coming out. And I've been following breathlessly the entire time. Like, it is problematic as heck and like increasingly ridiculous and the dialogue is going downhill so fast and uh and I love every single minute of it (laughs) yeah I um I've grown to like it more and more and I think it's because it has become this kind of cultural thing and I just I enjoy the like social aspect of discussing it making fun of it and trying to figure out who is what yeah theories upon theories upon theories (laughs) Also, just like the, the the production design is so gorgeous, um, the, the the costumes and the food styling. Yes, yes, and we're going to talk about that some in a little bit. I want to include this bit here. I found an article from Vulture headlined: "Is Game of Thrones the last show we'll watch together?" Oh, it wow. marks the end of the era of television as an epic communal journey. Huh. So uh, that's kind of what 
I feel like I am experiencing. And it is strange that this and Avengers, which is kind of a similar communal journey aspect, are happening at the same time. And if you're interested, the article argues it has to do with social media, the difference of binging on Netflix versus, like, all arriving at the shocking moments at the same time. And that we all feel like we watch it even if we don't. because you see it on social media. Like, maybe you watch Leslie Jones. She used to do those, those watch Game throughs. of Jones. Oh, they yeah. were so good. Yeah, they they were. were so beautiful. They Leslie were. Jones, you're beautiful and perfect, and I miss you on Twitter. Yeah. I understand, but I miss you. Yeah. Huh. She still does them sometimes on Seth Meyers. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so even if you don't watch it, you probably are aware of some of the big cultural, like, points of it. Oh, sure. Yes. (laughs) Um, And the recent premiere drew 17 million viewers. They showed it at a local theater. They screened it for free. Um, There are several bars here with no strict, no talking policies. Oh, yes. Yes. And before HBO cracked down on piracy, it was the most illegally downloaded show. It might still be, but it's like not at the same numbers. Sure. It once was. (laughs) But all of this to bring us to our question. Game of Thrones food and drinks. What are they? Uh, well, <laughs> um, Game of Thrones is a TV series based on a book series called A Song of Ice and Fire. The book's written by George R.R. R. Martin, started coming out in 1996, and the TV series followed starting in uh, 2011. The series sort of shifts from low fantasy, uh, meaning no magic, to a high fantasy, meaning like hella magic, over the course, and is set in a fantasy world largely patterned on uh, medieval Europe and Eurasia. And it's got a lot of food in it. Yes. This is a good series when it comes to discussing food and drinks. And you made a point, Lauren, that a lot of the big things happen over feast. Mm -hmm. And of course... Tyrion's, a.k.a. Peter Dinklage's character, the famous line, I drink and I know things. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized one day that, like, that's actually my job, (laughs) to drink and to know things. And like Tyrion Lannister. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Tyrion. Although I know that a lot of of humans probably self-associate with that line as well. Um, Yeah, so many key points in the series are bent around food and drink. Um, From the very first feast that the Starks throw for Robert Baratheon and his entourage. That's one of the first scenes in the first book um, and and show. Uh, Yeah, you've got the Red Wedding, the Purple Wedding, Daenerys Wine Merchant in Vast Dothrak. Uh, Sir Davos is the Onion Knight. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Inn at the Crossroads, uh, which serves a lot of food, is where like 60% of the important things (laughs) in the series happen. Uh, That's not a precise number. I haven't counted, but like mm-hmm. I'm rough. Yeah. Rough guesstimate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many alcoholics, so many drink poisonings. Yeah. 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 The book includes, um, the books include a lot of very intense descriptions about food, so much so that George R.R. R. Martin has been called out for writing food porn. Oh, yeah. Um, again, Vulture has a listicle of 10 times George R.R. R. Martin described food more erotically than sex. <laughs> Because, as they say in this article, if you're a fan of the show but haven't read the Song of Ice and Fire books, you may not know this, but they're actually not a medieval-inspired political drama. They're food erotica. My goodness. (laughs) Um, Oh, goodness. And, uh, yeah, so, so they listed a bunch of their their favorite examples of this sort of thing. And one of the ones they picked out is from A Feast in a, in a Clash of Kings. I forget which book that is. I'm sure. Oh, I know. I'm the no, worst. Oh, no, you monster. <laughs> but get uh, out. 
<laughs> you don't have to write in and remind me. I could Google that, but I just didn't right now. Um, okay, so the quote. Of food, there was plenty. The war had not touched the fabled bounty of Highgarden. While singers sang and tumblers tumbled, they began with pears poached in wine and went on to tiny savory fish rolled in salt and cooked crisp and capons stuffed with onions and mushrooms. There were great loaves of brown bread, mounds of turnips and sweet corn and peas, immense hams and roast geese and trenchers dripping full of venison stewed with beef and barley. For the sweet, Lord Caswell's servants brought down trays of pastries from his castle kitchens, cream swans and spun sugar unicorns, lemon cakes in the shape of roses, spiced honey biscuits and blackberry tarts, apple crisps and wheels of buttery cheese. Whoa. And that, that happens all the time. Like, I feel like it's, it, like, continually throughout the series, that is, I mean, that's just one. Wow. That's not the only one. Wow. Constant. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it's, it's really, it's really lavish and beautiful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, on, on the show, too, it, just, like, check out how often food and drink is either consumed or is part of these lavish set dressings. Um, Cersei and Tyrion dang always have a wine goblet in hand. Um, mm-hmm. Just about every scene in the uh, bougie castle in King's Landing includes like a tower of fruit that in medieval times would have cost like my car. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so many conversations happen over meals. Like I start to wonder like in the writer's room if they're ever just going like, F, this is eight pages of straight dialogue. Uh, we need something for visual interest. Who has a coin to flip, long hallway, or dinner? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, re- I read some articles about it and how they how much thought went into depending on the setting of like what would they – have available what colors to add in, like <laughs> all of this thought went into it. Um, and speaking of, there is an official cookbook with uh, George R. R. Martin himself involved. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a foreword for it, uh, but the meat uh, hey, uh, hey. of the book, um, uh, it started as this nerd recipe blog started by two fans, Chelsea Monroe Castle and Sarion Lerher. Since April of 2011, as far as I can tell, um, they'd been keeping a blog at inatthecrossroads.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the first posted recipe on there is for Sansa's favorite treat, lemon cakes. Um, that starting date is kind of uncertain because they had to take some stuff down from the site upon the ultimate publication of the book. But anyway, um, yeah, they base their recipes on historical recipes, historical earth recipes, apparently Elizabethan era texts and along with some like some like ro- ancient Roman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes also often a second take on a dish that's more fit for modern tastes and ingredients and technology. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they really have their work cut out for them um, in, in the books in general. Martin employs this really interesting combination of, like, historically researched objects and terms plus actual magic uh, plus a blend of what would be anachronisms if the setting was Earth and there was no magic involved. Like, at the very base of the food issue here, the way that the seasons work in, in the world of the series, and it is a key plot device, is that the summers and winters each last for years. So winter is coming. So winter is coming, yeah. Um, and that setup is, like, explicitly not what most plants and animals that we humans use for food would be able to survive through, ever. Um, yeah. Like, and even frozen foods will go off after, like, three or four years, and then you're down to well-preserved goods. And Earth humans didn't invent really great canning technology until after Napoleon Bonaparte offered a prize to whoever could figure out how to better preserve food for soldiers in 1795, at which point we also had muskets and steam engines, which is a very different world 
from that of Game of Thrones. Yeah, like like Martin loosely bases Westeros on England circa the War of the Roses in the mid to late 1400s. Mm-hmm. So. Problem. Problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yes, and building off of that very basic base of the seasons being so screwed, you, you've just got food supply chaos in this world, and Martin seems completely unconcerned with explaining it, which I love. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, dragons and ice zombies exist there, so I guess whatever foods and dishes you want to put in are possible, too. Maybe the plants are really good at surviving frost. I, I don't know. That's the thing about a magical world. <laughs> Who knows? It's a big shrug gesture it's is what I just shrug did. It's a big shrug gesture. <laughs> um, and I found when I was researching into this, and I can't believe I didn't run into this when we were researching our Lord of the Rings episode, but there's a co- controversial tomato scene <laughs> in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> and this has to do with the avoidance of New World crops like tomatoes and tobacco and potatoes in the books. I believe something was even republished to take oh. tomatoes out. Oh, wow. In Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because he, he did try to explain it. And then people were like, well, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, since they're in theory supposed to take place in a lost historical era in Europe-ish. Before colonialism. Yeah, like 6,000 years ago. And <laughs> Martin had the same problem, but like didn't seem as concerned about it. Yes, uh, he d- he does make some allowances like like there's there's some things that he specifically doesn't put in there like um like he never mentions tobacco mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone smokes, but he does have characters chew sour leaf, yes. something called sour leaf which is essentially chewing tobacco. Mm-hmm. Except it's kind of reddish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yes. Anyway, uh these these fans were were running this recipe blog and it turned into an officially approved cookbook deal. Later in 2011, in, in October of 2011, wow. and um, now they've got other books out for World of Warcraft and Hearthstone and Elder Scrolls, and the whole thing makes me so happy for fandom and, like, cooking nerdery and history nerdery. And awesomely, they're now in touch with the food stylist from the show and thus can offer recipes that are more like what they actually produce for the show. That's really cool. Yeah. Their website is pretty awesome. Like, it's in-depth. It is. There's a lot. <laughs> there is so much. Yeah. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also an unofficial Game of Thrones cookbook that was published in 2012, and lots of fans have posted stuff online, you know, recipes, but also uh, trying to find earthly matches to the series uh, Wines and Ales. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> I My famously themed D&D <laughs> campaigns, uh, one of our first ones was... Um, Game of Thrones themed because the show was premiering. I think that was like oh, last season, uh-huh. um, and I I made some of those those recipes <laughs> for sure. And then I bought a beer called Stark. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this actually segues really well to my next point because there is so much excitement for this final season. Companies saw the chance to make some money, and they went. All in. Oh, and they've been going all in. Oh, my But it is especially big right now. Yeah. Yeah. You've got Mountain Dew with their Game of Thrones-themed cans. (laughs) Shake Shack's promotion for an off-the-menu Game of Thrones-themed Jakaris Burger and Dragonglass Shake, but you have to ask for it in the Valerian language. (laughs) If you're interested, though, the translation is on their site. Okay. So... Okay, you know, we'll put that out there. <laughs> um, Brewery Omegong's Game of Thrones beers circa 2013. They've been in on the game for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's some Game of Thrones wines that you can buy. 
White Walker whiskey from Johnny Walker. Oh, my goodness. And my favorite, the allegedly spoiler-ish Oreos <laughs> with the house sigils on How are they spoilers? Somebody told me they were spoilers, oh, and I was goodness. like, now I can't look at Oreos. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um and those Oreos, by the way, there's a, a commercial with them, and it's an epic recreation of the opening sequence. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I have to look this up now. That's oh, great. Yeah. It's really great. <laughs> um, and in the U.K., the food delivery service um, called Deliveroo is delivering white chocolate dragon eggs that weigh about two pounds and cost about a dollar? What? Exactly. Huh. What? Huh. Oh, my goodness. Um, a bakery in Dubai made a four-foot-tall fondant and sugar-paste sculpture in the shape of the Iron Throne with a fondant Tyrion, Peter Dinklage, <laughs> uh, sitting on it holding a cup of wine. That's pretty um, uh, pretty excellent. For, for our metric friends, four feet is about a, about a meter and a third or so. Um, it was worth $27,000. <laughs> what? What? Oh, Dubai. Oh, Dubai. <laughs> and um, there is a Chinese restaurant in Almonte, California called A Song of Rice and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> My hat is off <laughs> to you. <laughs> that is pretty excellent. <sighs> but this about brings us to some, some examples, some specific examples. Uh-huh. But first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So 
a lot of these foods we could find in this our non-fictional food world sure. are like counterparts of them or ancestors of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but since there are so many memorable scenes around food, drinks, and feasts, they are worth unpacking. Yeah. Um, the, the, the basic ingredients and tastes in this fictional world vary by fictional region and are often directly illustrative of the character of the people from that region. Um, Like the North uh, has hearty, unpretentious food. Uh, Meals in King's Landing are showy, like over-lavish and decorative. Uh, The Tyrells of Highgarden have a sense of sensuality about their food, like they're eating for pleasure's sake. Mm. Um, Iron Island's foodstuffs are straightforward and practical, and uh, so on. I see, I see. And because this is such a sprawling universe, every group has a specific, uh, they have specific eating customs or rules. And this is where we're going to get into fun with fictional pronunciation. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm probably not going to be able to help you with either. Oh, no. Sorry. All right. So, for example, the Giscari, who seek out rich foods, and the story goes that only <laughs> the only meat that is off the table for them is the heart of Ben or Dragon. Oh. Wow. Okay. Um, there's the Nafi, who practice passivism, and they refuse to eat any animal, and that's where Melisandre is from, FYI. Oh, huh. um, The Dornish prefer spicy foods and bold wines. Plowing the earth is considered sacrilege to the Dothraki, so they don't cultivate crops, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and in there, like, there's a lot of real weird, half-fantasy, half-real racist stereotyping that's just floating through the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can, you, can see, you can see some of that in the way that the food illustrates these different peoples, like— like the like the like the Dornish being basically Spanish or at least Hispanic or right Latin kind of mm-hmm. like oh man they really like their spicy food I'm like yeah. you guys can we not could we just not have done that yeah but that's fine I mean it's not but I mean you know mm-hmm. all your faves are problematic this is very true anyway let's talk about pigeon pie. <laughs> Um, so this is reminiscent of a meat pie, and it's typically served at weddings in Westeros. Uh-huh. Probably the most memorable scene of pigeon pie on the show is the one at King Geoffrey, who, dreadful, terrible. Oh, yeah. Yep. Bad guy. Bad person. And Marjorie Tyrell's wedding. Geoffrey slices into the enormous pie with his sword, Valerian steel, and out fly some pigeons, but others are dead upon his blade. <laughs> It's true. It happens. There, there are pigeons in there. There are. I mean, most pigeon pies, I imagine, even at weddings, <laughs> don't have live ones. I think yes. that's, a, that's a stunt cake kind of issue. I Yeah, I, I have to believe you're <laughs> correct on that. <laughs> um, lamprey pie. So similar to pigeon pie, except lampreys are, okay, they're like eels that don't have jaws but have lots of teeth. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty gross looking, but apparently delicious. Yeah, and they like lurk around in the water and I think they're expensive because yeah 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 yeah, they are because it's dangerous to get them and they're hard to find you gotta go into the dark waters and (laughs) face the teeth (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then there's fray pie and uh, just in case you're a season or two behind on the show we're not gonna specify about this one but fray pie those of you who get it get it yeah there's so many types of pie. There's pork pie, steak and kidney pie, beef and bacon pie, Lord Manderley's pie. Um, and it is as big as a wagon wheel. Oh, yeah. delicious. Oysters, clams, and cockles. Uh, yeah, seafood is abundant and fresh, in, uh, especially in the free city of Bravos. And street vendors sell shellfish straight from carts, uh, cracking open the shells 
to order. Mm-hmm. There's direwolf bread. And okay, Hot Pie, who is a person, not a pie, <laughs> is a friend of Arya Stark's and a baker's apprentice. And he, along with Arya, and a friend of theirs, Gendry, who I went on a very deep and long rabbit hole trying to figure out what his deal is recently. <laughs> um, they get captured, and their captors offer Hot Pie's <laughs> baking skills to the inn at the crossroads to pay for their lodging and meals. And Hot Pie prefers this to, you know, danger, so he decides he'd rather stay. And as a parting gift, he makes Arya some bread in the shape of a direwolf, which is the sigil of her house, House Stark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this, comeback, this comes back a little bit later in the series. He, he offers a, a much better, like yes. less lumpy direwolf bread to, um, uh, to, to someone to give to Arya if they find her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, favorite fact of the episode, y'all, the actor... Um, ben Hockey, who plays Hot Pie, enjoys baking in real life. And in 2017, he opened a pop-up bakery in London, and it was called You Know Nothing, John Doe. <laughs> and he made direwolf breads for it. Oh, that is beautiful. It is so heckin' delightful. Oh. Um, yeah, his were uh, cornbread with orange zest. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the ones featured on the show are closer to English scones, which are pretty close to American biscuits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the... On the- Opposite end of the spectrum, I guess. A bowl of brown, an appetizingly named bowl of stew, common for peasants in King's Landing, and specifically in Flea Bottom, which is like the poor area. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes made with rat meat. When you're lucky. When you're lucky, you got a little bit of little rat or pigeon in there. Um, Yeah, this stuff is cooked in large pots that are kept simmering for days or like indefinitely with uh, portions sold out by the bowl and more ingredients added in as it goes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many other soups and stews, though. Um, Slate published an article in 2017 called A Song of Ice and Fire and Soup. Subtitle, What's Behind George R.R. R. Martin's Obsession with Chowder in Bread Bowls? Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with that? I've got a quote for you here. Um, what P.G. Woodhouse is to butlers, what Jane Austen is to eligible suitors, what Cormac McCarthy is to horse carcasses, George R.R. R. Martin is to soup. <laughs> Well, good for him. Uh, yeah, and, and, and for, for example, um, a sister's stew is a seafood chowder made around the Three Sisters Islands, sometimes served in a hollowed loaf of bread for a bowl. There's like a whole page of conversation about this bowl of soup and like the lady who made it and like what ingredients are in it and where those ingredients came from and like why it's better than other things. And like it's, it's intense. Oh, gosh, it sounds intense. <laughs> You're like, what am I reading anymore? <laughs> You're like, I thought there were dragons. Like, is this just about chowder now? <laughs> really, the exciting part is the soup. <laughs> we all know soup is the most exciting of meals. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of exciting meals, chicken. Yeah, roasted chicken. Yes. Um, so there's this character known as the Hound, who I also went on a long rabbit hole about recently. <laughs> Um, who's he's this big broody fellow, and at one point the hound runs into some of King Joffrey's followers at the end. Not the end at the crossroads for once. Oh, a different end. A different end, I do believe. Correct me mm. if I'm wrong, y'all. I think it's a different one. Well, he says something not so nice about King Joffrey and demands some of the chickens they're eating. A fight ensues, and the hound reigns victorious, and the hound eats his chicken. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. The hound always gets his chicken. <laughs> Lannister always pays their debts, and the hound hound always gets gets a chicken. chicken. That's what they say. (laughs) In the book, the Frave served foods like stringy beef and jellied calf brains at the Red Wedding. And a thin leek soup. 
Mm. Mm, yeah, like Lord Walter Frey is kind of gross and stingy, and so so is his kitchen's food. Yeah, it's played by the same guy who plays uh, Filch. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yes. Oh, oh heck, I love that guy. Mm. So gross in that series. He is, <laughs> appropriately so. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Dothraki horse heart from Essos. Dothraki priestesses give Daenerys a heart of Dothraki to eat during a ceremony to bless the health of her unborn child. She bites into it as the priestesses chant. It's a very memorable scene. Yeah, yeah uh, ho- horse heart, not Dothraki horse heart, not Dothraki human heart. Just making sure that's clear. Yeah, I got confused about it. Oh. That was so long ago. It was a very long time ago. That was that was first season. I know. Yeah. Um, Dothraki horse jerky is also a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and apparently during the, the filming of, of the scene, of that heart-eating scene for the show, um, the prop heart was made of this, like, stiff gelatin, and it tasted really terrible. And uh, the actor, Amelia Clark, ate, like, 28 of them, oh. or at least parts thereof. Um, and so she was not faking her nausea. Um, she said that they tasted like bleach and raw pasta and she, that she was really glad she had a spit bucket because, yeah. Yeah. If I saw something that said bleach and raw pasta on a menu, I would not order that thing. <laughs> nope, I might leave that very establishment. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. Yes, I am at the wrong place. <laughs> uh, there is occasional cannibalism, though, um, just to, you know, not among the Dothraki that I'm aware of, but uh, the Fens from North of the Wall eat their fallen enemies. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, previously mentioned lemon cakes. Lemon cakes for discussing gossip. Um, yeah. Sansa finally reveals how terrible Geoffrey is over lemon cakes. Yeah, her love for lemon cakes comes up what feels like constantly. Um, like everyone in King's Landing knows that they're her favorite. Uh, she gets upbraided by her aunt in the Vale for eating too many. Like, gotta watch your figure. Like. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for all the fancy dishes, though, there's also a bunch of survival eating spread throughout, uh, you know, berries to bugs to worms to acorn paste, um, you know, your own horse when nothing else is left, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh, man. I like how we put, we did cannibalism, lemon cakes, <laughs> bugs. We really know how to thematically stack. <laughs> you get your dessert. Yeah. <laughs> just when you think it's all well and good. I mean, bucks can be good. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just kind of out of order, maybe. Sure. Mayhaps. <laughs> um, so those are uh, some of the food examples. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of drink examples as well. Oh, yeah. And we will get into those as soon as we get back from another quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching! Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. The first thing we should talk about is wine. <laughs> Cersei and her wine. I love it. Oh, I know. <sighs> it, it's a thing of glorious beauty. I think one of my um, favorite gifts I send to people is the one where she just like, more wine. <laughs> she like very firmly uh-huh. sticks out her, her beautiful goblet and says more wine. Yeah, yeah. There is one of my... Now I'm just straight nerding out, but y'all, like 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 some of my favorite lines in the entire series are from Robert Baratheon, played by Mark Addy, brilliantly in back in season one. And um and he has this monologue uh that's terrible. Like he's just like such a like like oh like angry, like like person with all of this bad stuff that's happened in his life. And he just punctuates it with more wine. And like, <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Makes me really happy. Anyway, okay, yeah, wine. Yes, Westeros <laughs> has several types of wine. There's Arbor Gold, which is super fancy, super expensive, and it's sweet white wine, um, as in the most fancy and most expensive in all the land. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Arbor is known for its very fine wines. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very nice label, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's an in-world joke that a commoner would sell their firstborn child for some Arbor Gold. Oh. Wow. Mm. And then there's Dornish red, which is a sour, spicy red. Apparently, it's an acquired taste, um, but still an expensive acquired taste. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you got Arbor Reds and homemade blackberry wine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Essos has wine, too. They have their own blackberry wine, Tyroshi pear brandy, and sweet reds possibly made with beets. And one of these wines is called Fire Wine. Huh. I like that name. Mm-hmm. The Night's Watch at the Wall drink hot, spiced mold wine. Apparently, Lord Commander Mormont had a very specific recipe that he liked. Um, like Jon Snow kind of like complains about how specific it is at mm-hmm. some point. Um, quote, so much cinnamon and so much nutmeg and so much honey, not a drop more. Raisins and nuts and dried berries, but no lemon. That was the rankest sort of southern heresy. <laughs> rankest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, I appreciate some... Strong opinions. Oh, yeah. I, I love a person with strong opinions about food. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that about me. No, no. <laughs> um, of course, beer is also present in this world. Beer is for commoners. Wine is for rich folks in general. In general. In general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mead, black beer in the north, which is probably a lager type thing. Some black beers are high quality enough to ch- to charge a similar price as imported wines. 
There's other beers. Uh, lots of ales. Yeah, mostly like brown ales. Beer for every time of day. Breakfast <laughs> beer is a thing at, at the wall, at least. Oh, I have a friend that laments <laughs> oh, that their breakfast beer used to be a thing and it's not anymore and she laments it. <laughs> Uh, there's um there's rum, sometimes poisoned. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, dusk rose tea made from a flower that grows around Slaver's Bay and is used as a fever reliever. Mm-hmm. Fermented mare's milk for the Dothraki. Yeah. A shade of the evening, so named because of the blue stain it gives to your lips after repeated consumption. The warlocks of Karth believe it to be a drink or maybe a drug that can grant magical abilities, but your mileage may vary on that. Mm-hmm. And then the mysterious proper northern drink, which could have been either moonshine, sour goat's milk, or neither, or both. I think it was moonshine, but again, that's very confusing because they didn't really have yeah. distilling technology. By the oh, anyway, that's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with it. This is me being fine with things. Oh yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> You know, I, I kind of interpreted it. Well, no, I can't interpret it that way. I was going to say I, I saw it as a moonshine-esque. Like, not moonshine, but that's like our closest. Maybe like a moonshine wine? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We're sure. I'm sure we'll discuss it in too much depth off the <laughs> podcast. And then, as you can imagine, there is an entire world of Game of Thrones-themed recipes that you can make out there. That probably have nothing to do with any of the food seen in the books or in the show. Uh, mostly pun-based. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, I have certainly made some myself. <laughs> and I had to include some of my favorite ones based on the puns. Puns only. I haven't made, I haven't made all of these. Uh-huh. Um, Geoffrey's Hopefully Not Poisoned Sangria. <laughs> Chicken's Little Fingers. Hot pies, pot pie, Dothraki artichoke hearts, uh, a corn dog has no name. Oh my gosh! F- the king crab, <laughs> Jon Snow cones, you know muffin Jon Snow, the three-eyed raisin bran loaf, winter squash is coming, pizza house of Tully, <laughs> Brienne of Tart, oh my and Carl Drogert. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and thanks to Thrillist for the list. Uh, they have plenty, plenty, plenty more, so you can go check those out if you want. I, I mean, I just liked looking through the names. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't. I purposefully didn't read that before <laughs> we came in here. So um, if you, like, heard me quietly dying in the background, that's exactly what was happening. That is... <sighs> They're so good. I kept, like, finding more and having to <laughs> whittle it down and being like, but this one's so good, too, and this one... <laughs> It was tough. Uh, I think three-eyed raisin bran loaf might be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, an excellent, also, pun costume is uh, Hodor carrying the box of, of raisin, raisin bran. Oh, yeah. I see you. Yeah, I want somebody to come with me to Dragon Con wearing a um, Winter is Coming shirt as I'm the Winter Soldier. Oh. So Winter Soldier is coming. coming. Yeah. So the position is open. <laughs> <laughs> Applications are now being accepted. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah. This is a this has been a fun one. These fictional food episodes are always really fun. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm still so tickled about that pop up bakery. Oh, I am too. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the these final episodes. Yes. Oh, so so psyched. Yeah. So worried. <laughs> yes. I got a lot of concerns. Uh, as we record this, the third one is about to come out, and that one I feel is... Yeah, it's, it's looking like it's going to be the Everybody Dies episode. <laughs> yes. 
it's like uh, the battle episode. It's like yeah. an hour and 20 minutes of a fight. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, see. We're going to be different people when you hear this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that uh, that just about brings us uh, to the end of our Game of Thrones food episode and into Listen, Meryl. I can't do Jon Snow. I try. Um, I was going to do like a na 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 and I figured it would have been a train wreck. <laughs> Have been a real. Uh, yeah, the words "listener mail" don't particularly uh, form themselves into that into that pattern. Yeah. If y'all have never noticed, though, what does perfectly fit into that pattern is Peter Dinklage. So you can just sing Peter Dinklage's name over and over and over again the entire time that the credits are going, and I I think it's great. If you want to record yourself doing <laughs> it and send it our way, we would not be opposed. <laughs> we would, in fact, be thrilled. We would. We would. We would. <laughs> Man, I'm watching with, with a friend right now who uh, has, like, analyzed all the changes they made in the opening credits, and he was, like, pausing it and being like, do you know what this means? And I'm like, no, please tell no. me, please. <laughs> I love how excited you are about it. <laughs> Sarah wrote, as a self-proclaimed Saturday morning cartoon connoisseur, <laughs> she was writing in response to um, all my mentions of Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. <laughs> okay. Um, this was one of my favorite kids' movies, slash is probably among my favorite movies in general. Thanks very much for referencing it throughout your New Orleans run. It brought a smile to my face as it felt like an audio Easter egg. Oh. I mean, it was difficult all- to stop me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped trying. <laughs> You uh, just got to let her go. Oh, I, I, never, I never tried, y'all. I wouldn't do that. And Sarah, it was all for you. It was all for you. <laughs> um, I'm still planning on getting everybody together and watching it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll report back. Definitely. Um, Chelsea wrote, When I was in college, I was flying from the U.S. to Israel with a study abroad group, and part of the journey was taken over Germany in an Austrian Airlines plane. Oddly enough, the plane was upholstered with bright green seats and bright red walls, making us all feel like we're flying in Santa's sleigh. To top it all off, when the stewardess came around with the in-flight snacks, we were each given a large packaged soft pretzel stick. I love soft pretzels and was so excited to bite into this wonderful treat that it took me a moment to realize that this pretzel was more than met the eye. Running through the center of the pretzel was, quite literally, a stick of butter. It was about an inch wide and five inches long. The pretzel was about six inches long and ice cold. While it was a fun surprise and delicious with the pretzel, I felt like asking for more pretzel with my butter. (laughs) Even so, our group really enjoyed this fun change from plain peanuts. I can't say I've never, I've ever had that experience. No. I've never been on a plane so brightly colored either. Yeah. Usually it's all just like, just like soothing eggshell. I feel like you must have been on like a a nice Twilight Zone type thing, <laughs> like not a scary one. Just like kind of weird. Yeah. Just like sort of a, like, why is this butter in my pretzel? Yeah. Like seeds green. Yeah. All red. I don't know. Although I would watch, I would watch uh, William Shatner do that entire shtick about <laughs> a stick of butter being inside of a pretzel on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a Shatner impression, so oh. y'all y'all have to work on it yourselves. I I have been working on it. Longtime listeners of the show know it's on my <laughs> it's on my list of goals. I <laughs> uh, haven't come far, <laughs> but 
Uh, I haven't given up either. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It's important to have goals. Thank you. And this one is a very (laughs) important one, obviously. Um, Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SaverPod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thank you to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.